Gray wolves move and hunt mostly at night. They chase, seize, and pull their prey to the ground. Keen senses, large canine teeth, powerful jaws, and the ability to pursue prey at 37 miles an hour equip the gray wolf for a predatory way of life. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree in getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. The beautiful thing about working at an HBCU, a historically black college and university, is that I was surrounded by a sea of beautiful black women. They ranged in age. They were from early 20s to retirement age. Aunties, cousins, sisters. Going to work was like going to be a real family. Now, that came with its challenges at times, but I would say more times than not. On the social side, it was a beautiful thing because I was exposed to something that I hadn't been exposed to in a very long time living in the vacuum of my masculinity. And that was a woman's perspective, a woman's perspective that had nothing to gain from giving me that perspective. The first time I experienced it was when I first came on the job and I was telling a story about my son and how my son needed to to make a long story short, I was coddling my son. And as I was telling the story to one of my coworkers during our lunch break, she stopped eating, she put her fork down, she sat back in her chair, and she folded her arms, and her, and her eyes thinned as she watched me talk. So I'm talking, yammering on, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son. And I, uh, I said, well, wait, what's wrong? I mean, am I saying something wrong? And she point blank said, look, period point blank said, you need to stop coddling that boy. How old is he? Early 20s, 21, 22. And she was like, you need to stop coddling him. He's supposed to be a man, right? Help, but you can't coddle him. And it was interesting because her advice came out of nowhere, but it was sharp. It was pointed. It was direct. I didn't get in my feelings like I didn't boss up and be like or gruff up and say, well, I'm a man. You can't tell me what to do. I felt love in the and this is someone who was married with children, so there was nothing going on. I mean, period. But I felt love in her analysis. I felt love in her indictment of me. I felt like she was wanted me to do better to do better by my son so that he could be better as a man a black man in this community in this society in this world wow this is really something i'm an only child 
And back when my parents and my my mom's a Bible thumper and my dad is a academic stoic and they kept to themselves. So I didn't really. And as a result, they raised me to keep to myself. So it didn't even dawn on me to consult black women about things of the heart. Yeah, I had plenty of dudes that I was talking to. I had plenty of women that I was complaining to. But consulting was completely, you know, seeking their consultation, seeking their wisdom, seeking their understanding was something that I hadn't even considered until it was brought to my attention. Continuing in that same vein, having upwards of 10 to 20 sisters, cousins and aunties. And I'm talking about, you know, the people that I interacted with. There were more at my disposal. They essentially neutralized my ex-wife. Because my ex-wife didn't go anywhere. I heard from her every two to three days, every three to four days. There was a soul tie that had yet to be broken. And as a result, although she didn't want no parts of me physically, there was this spiritual thing that we had, this codependent dysfunctional thing that we had that had me arguing with her nearly every other day over the phone. Whether it was something about my daughter, it was something about my son, it was something about money. She just would not go away. And I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. So I didn't understand why someone who didn't want to be with me was calling me up to find fault with me or sending me emails to find fault with me or sending me text messages. Not as long as my arm, because I'm good for sending long text messages or I used to be. She would send me so many text messages. They would might as well have been as long as my arm. But the beautiful thing about having a legion of black women at your disposal or on your side to put it better and to put it more accurately is they have your back they hold you down and they give you insight into the mind of a woman and they neutralized her there were very few the couple times i went into work and accidentally mentioned something that she had done or said and they said listen this is what you need to do do one two three four five and watch what happens the advice was good the direction was good the counsel was good so much so that even my ex picked up on it a couple times because based on some of the things that I would say or the reactions I didn't give or the reactions that I did give, even though I wasn't, un even though I was unsure, she said, huh, you must have somebody in your ear. And, you know, I'm, I'm newly divorced. I mean, I've been divorced for what, 2016, 2017. I, I was newly divorced, newly meaning in the first two years of my divorce. And I still was very unsure of myself. I was unsure of who I was as a single man. I was unsure of who I was as an ex-husband. I was just unsure. So when it came to conflict, because I was conflict averse, I didn't really necessarily know how to approach the situation. And I'm a recovering people pleaser. So I didn't really necessarily understand how to approach the conflicts that were being brought to my phone. I guess the simplest way to deal with things is to simply not answer the phone. However, you have a child. And there is a glaring difference between divorcees that have children and divorcees that don't. I'm not taking away from anybody's pain because I think the pain is real. And I think the isolation is real. And I think the pariahdom, you know, being looked upon as not necessarily single, but other damaged. I think that's equal across the board. But people that are divorced and don't have children, 
they don't have the additional stress of having to maintain a relationship with someone that they shouldn't have to maintain a relationship with. Meaning, you know, maybe you want it to work out, but it doesn't work out. So that person is no longer healthy to be around. Well, you know, the thing is, is when you have a kid, you're going to, unless you have um, adults or intermediaries that you place, because I know I have a couple friends that put friends in between each other so that they child drop offs would be between grandparents and so on and so forth. Um, There were some things that I did to mitigate having to see my ex uh, when all of this stuff first started. But when you have a, when you have a child, you enter into this forced relationship that is just such a source of continual stress until, if and until y'all two get it together. And there's some people that do. Fortunately, I think that I'm one. And then there's other people that never do. And you are forced to contend with this other person. And I mean contend when it doesn't go as planned or when it doesn't go, when it doesn't smooth out whatever arc or curve that it's on and it never smooths out. You are forced to contend with this other person whenever there is a drop off, whenever there is a need for money or whenever there is a want for money. And it goes both ways. It really, truly goes both ways. I'm not trying to paint women as evil or anything like that because they're not in any way shape or form and who says that when i'm talking about needing money i'm talking about a man giving a woman money i know a man or two that receives alimony and child care and child support so it works both ways but the moral of the story is this whatever gender you are if you find yourself in a divorce situation a, a contentious situation Find some level-headed individuals. The other thing, too, is that many of the people that I worked with were divorced, sometimes two and three times divorced. Find yourself some level-headed individuals of the opposite sex who can give you insight into their mind and their heart. It will serve you so well. I promise you. But let's not get it twisted either, because my, my sisters and my cousins and my aunties, they kept me in check. When I was out of line, when I said too much, when I was doing the most, they said, hey, you're out of line. You're out of control. You're doing the most. There were many friendships and relationships that I developed as director of marketing and communications where I was working. But one in particular stands out among the rest. And this is my big sister. She's got me by a couple of years. She is the color of chocolate. She actually... <laughs> she is the color of chocolate. We used to playfully flirt with one another, but over time we just evolved into great friends. One of the things that she taught me was to slow down and stop taking things so seriously. When I was heavy, heavily involved in online dating, the one thing that she kept telling me was stop taking everything so seriously. Just because you meet someone, you don't have to look at them as marriage material. Just because you meet someone, you don't have to look at them as who they're going to be as a potential girlfriend. Why don't you just talk to them? Why don't you just meet them? Why don't you just see if they can put a sentence together? Why don't you just see if y'all can laugh and enjoy dinner together? Why don't you start there? Brilliance. Pure brilliance. Because a brother like me, I was all the way down the block, around the corner, up the street, and I hadn't even gotten past forget first base 
I hadn't even gotten past day one. That advice to not take things so seriously would be something that would serve me well and not so well down the line. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. If you're listening and if you have been listening and even if it's your first time, there are five things that I'd like you to do. Five, and I promise I'll be quick. Please accept my sincerest gratitude for listening. It took quite a leap of faith for me to launch this and you the listeners have made all the work that I put into the show worthwhile. If you haven't already, this is number two, please subscribe to the show on your platform of choice. This way, you'll never miss an episode. Number three, please share this podcast with two to three of your friends, some that may enjoy it just for the sake of hearing a good story or some that may need it because they're going through something right now. Number four, please follow me on Instagram at Eric L. Payne or on Facebook and on Facebook at the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. And finally, number five, if it moves you, please consider donating to the show. Any amount you feel comfortable with is the right amount, whether that's a dollar or whether that's a million or anything in between. 100% of your dollars will go toward the production costs of this show. And I'll have a link in the notes for that if you should so choose to do so. Now back to the show. Life was good. Life was gravy. I was enjoying myself. I was having barbecues, parties. I was the king of house parties. Well, maybe not the king, but I had a few house parties. And I was having barbecues every chance I could get. And just like any man who is proud of their manhood, I was barbecuing No matter whether it rained, no matter whether it snowed, whether it was summer or whether it was winter. Any chance I had a chance to throw, any chance I had an opportunity to burn, to set a fire and burn. And I don't mean burn up the food, but like get burned. Everybody at barbecues knows what I'm talking about. Every chance I had to do that, I did it. And I did it happily. Life was good. Everything was going exactly as planned. Bills were paid. Slowly furnishing my house with real furniture, like real grown, grown furniture. I mean, furniture that costs hundreds of dollars, not Ikea furniture. No shade to Ikea. It serves a very essential purpose in people's lives. But I was getting permanent furniture. I was doing permanent things. I was watching the value of my house go up. I was landscaping. I was spending time. I was, you know, pulling weeds. I was doing all the things I had dreamed about doing when I was a kid. Everything was perfect. So I'm just living my life being grown and brand new, enjoying all of it, having a good old time. And then I got some bad news. One of my team members, one of the best ones that I had, a millennial, and I only say that because there's this, there used to be this disdain against millennials as being entitled bums, but this was one of the hardest working people I had ever met. And she called me into her office, which was weird because based on what she was about to do, she should have come to mind. And she handed me a letter. She resigned. And I felt terrible. I was like, well, wait, why, why? You know, look, it's one of those things, right? She moved on, got a better position. She was ready to explore. She had been at the place for a couple of years. I was brand new. And although she had wanted to work under me and learn and so on and so forth, it was her time to fly. So who was I to get in the way of that? I welcomed the change. I thanked her for her service and, uh, Took her out, took her and a bunch of other people out for karaoke a couple weeks later when she resigned. 
I think I scared everybody in the room when I switched from R&B to Chris Cornell, Audio Slave is my joint. I hollered and screamed through all of Cochise. Because, I mean, that's what you do when you hear Cochise. And life goes on, but I was concerned. I was concerned because I wasn't sure the position was going to be refilled. And what wound up happening was that work got shifted to me because the other person on my team, that just wasn't his area at all. So because I could do her work as well as mine, her work became my work. And I had gotten used to leadership and delegating. So to be hands on again, admittedly, kind of threw me for a loop but it is what it is life is about shifting and pivoting all the time the second you have to stop shifting and pivoting or the second that you know things become so staid s-t-a-i-d stayed that nothing is happening you should be very concerned and you should also quickly check your wrist to make sure you have a pulse and that you're still here about a month later the boyfriend of my old employee reached out to say he was throwing a surprise birthday party for her I was trying to figure out how he got my number to text me, but I guess he just went through her phone one day. That was interesting, but whatever. So, of course, I agreed to go because, I mean, why not? I wasn't doing anything else. It happened to be a Friday that my daughter wasn't with me, and those were the Fridays that I was most depressed anyway, so it might be good to just be out and be around other people. So, I went. It was at a restaurant in downtown Atlanta, not too far from where the Hawks play basketball. And I remember getting dressed, not necessarily feeling too comfortable with the way the clothes were fitting on me. I remember putting the clothes on that I planned to wear for this event and not necessarily being too happy with how I was looking. I remember specifically, yeah, I had been working out, but I was eating a lot. Where we were, we had lunch meetings, breakfast meetings. We had meetings on meetings like most places do, but we also had food that went along with it. And I never ate. I ate two breakfasts, a lunch, usually two dinners. If there was like an afternoon thing or an after work thing or something that ran long where there was where there were refreshments and hortivores. And then I would come home and eat. And it was starting to pile on, even though I was working out. I don't remember how many push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups and jump ropes I was doing, but I was jumping rope a lot. I remember saying to myself as I continued to get dressed, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter that you feel uncomfortable in your clothes because this isn't about you. This is a birthday party. This is your team member's birthday party, someone who you really genuinely uh, appreciate and respect. You're going to enjoy dinner with her boyfriend and her and her friends, and maybe you'll see some people from work. So when I got there, some of my coworkers were there. Some had been there earlier and left. The surprise was up. I missed that. I was still struggling with getting to places on time at this point in my life. And uh, gave me a big hug, introduced me to all her people. And I got a drink. Dinner, the, the table wasn't set up. It was more like lounge time. The table wasn't set up. It was, the floors were black. It was dark. It was, you know, it was nice. Whatever. It was sexy. It was swanky. It was Friday night and I was grown. While I was slurping on my drink, the birthday girl approached me with one of her friends. She is my height, but she wears heels, so she's taller than me. She introduced me to one of her friends who is equally as tall as me, if not taller. And she was gorgeous. I mean, she was drop-dead gorgeous. She was the color of oil. 
Her skin radiated. I mean, she was so dark. And she just drank up the light all around her and radiated it back out. She was glowing. I had some random conversation with her. And she told me that she was on TV. And that was the end of it for me. I wasn't there for nobody. I was there for my my former teammate, new friend. And that was it. So I said my hellos to everybody. And I kept to myself. As an introverted extrovert, I have the ability to do that. I can be very social. And then I can also be very to myself in a very public place. So I kept to myself. And I sat down at the table when it was time to eat. And we talked or as a group, but you know, based on where you sit at the table and if you're not the host and you aren't getting up and down, wandering around the table, you basically have the conversations nearest by you. So I had the conversations that I was having nearest by me. One of the conversations that came up, came up around my age. The birthday girl's boyfriend mentioned how he used to, he grew up watching, I think the Power Rangers movie might've been out and we were talking about it. And I think he talked about growing up watching it. I jumped in on the conversation and said, yeah, I hated that show. And it drove me crazy because I had to watch every episode with my son. And he was like, your son? And he said, well, how old are you? Birthday girl piped in and said, oh, wait till you hear this. Because the thing is about me, one of the things that I'm very thankful for, one of the things that I used to hate, but one of the things that's now become a blessing is that I don't look my age, not by a long shot. I said, well, I'm 45. And his face twisted up. He said, so are you military or something? Ex-military? I mean, like, I don't understand. I said, no, nah, I just drink a lot of water. The news lady person down at the other end of the table decided to chime in. She cracked some old person joke. I gave her some side eye, but I smiled. The fact that it didn't offend me let me know that there might be more there than what I originally thought. I remember mentioning that I had a tattoo on my back. The tattoo that I got during my sojourn after immediately being divorced and it is Ghanaian the symbol is Ghanaian in origin I made an attempt at saying the name and it caused quite a bit of a laugh from the news lady and I said well is that not the way you say it she had a deep voice and she had an accent and it was obvious I mean she spoke perfect English don't get me wrong but it was obvious that she had a whole lot of culture backing her up and she corrected me, you know, cracked a couple jokes at my expense. I threw them back her way. No big deal. Whatever. And I went back to my sushi and eating with my chopsticks and living my life. The conversations bounced around this, that, and the third. But the more and more I talked to her, the more and more I started to feel her. She was, she was, she was attractive. But I also liked the way she talked, the way she laughed. I'm a sucker for a woman with a great laugh. And her crude oil skin was doing it for me. But then the guy in my head started talking and our conversation went a little something like this. So, I thought we were chilling. You said you weren't doing nothing with nobody. You don't even like the way you look right now. I mean, I know. But I'm saying, like, you see her right there, right? Yeah, I see her. But you ain't, you don't want to do this. Why are you trying to do this? You said you weren't trying to do nothing. You said you weren't trying to do nothing. So why are you trying to do something? Come on, man. You see how she, I mean, she dope. Look at her. She's like, look at her. This went on for a little bit. And the reason why I knew that I was feeling her was because I did this typical thing that guys do. I don't know if women do it. Anytime a guy talked to her, 
I peeped it. Anytime she was by herself, I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do. What am I going to say? Am I going to say something? Blah, blah, blah. That went on for a while. I was like, yo, listen, person in my head, I'm going to just see what's up. I mean, because at the very, you know, at the very end, kind of like what my friend told me from work. If I ain't trying to marry nobody, if I ain't trying to boo nobody up upon meeting them for the first time, there's nothing wrong with getting somebody's number and getting to know them a little bit better. Now, I had been strictly online dating. I hadn't been interacting with too many people in the flesh. This was about to be a new move for me, so I had to figure out what I was going to do. People were talking. Dinner eventually broke. Everyone started to go on about their way. Before the night was over, my homegirl that I used to work with decided that she wanted to take group pictures. She wanted to take pictures with her new coworkers, pictures with her old coworkers, and then pictures with her friends. Because taking an inordinate amount of pictures at a restaurant was definitely becoming a thing at the moment. And I was right in the middle of that movement. So before we all left, I reached out to Chocolate Job. And I said, I said, all right, well, it's cool meeting you. She was like, yeah, it was. It was nice. It was nice talking to you. And I said, well, listen, you know, we had had a few conversations. You were supposed to be telling me about, I remembered something she said. You never finished telling me about such and such story. And she looked at me like, you were listening? And I said, yeah, I'd like to hear more about it. So she says, well, I mean, the night's over. How am I, you know, how am I supposed to tell you that? And I said, well, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you at a later time. Give me a number. I'll give you a call. Bars. Bars on bars. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. He did just say that. He sure did. Oh, I'm so proud of that, baby. Listen to what he just said. Oh, I heard what the boy said. And it sounded really good. Yes, Lord, it sure enough did. You heard how he dropped his voice when he dropped that line? Now, Clarice, I done been there with you the whole time. I heard everything the boy said. So she stopped. She looked me in my eye. And then her eyes softened. And she gave me like a smize. Not a smile, but a smize. And she said, take my number down. And she kept it moving. I went home with a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> I mean... I had violated my own rules. But there was a lot of that that was about to happen in my life. A lot. you're an essential worker I hope you're staying at home I know it's tough not being able to make money I know it's tough not being accustomed to sheltering in place and being in quarantine but understand that if you put yourself at risk not only do you put yourself at risk you run the risk of hurting everyone in your household I had a friend who brought the virus home and this is not made up a friend or someone in his house who brought the virus home and his father who lived with him passed away from coronavirus or complications due to COVID. But more than that, 
you also stress the healthcare system, at least if you're in America, that already has shown itself to not be able to handle this pandemic. So please stay at home. Please stay at home. Stay at home.